1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome to Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy, actually sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Eight, wait for 79, Dewey, and uh, yeah, that game pretty much sums it up, what I was watching. I mean, it, it's, it's been Carolina all year, some good, some bad. The good was at the end of the game this time. Carolina gets the win in a game they had to have in the ACC.
2: Yeah, uh, first half leaky was great. Caleb was as bad as he's ever been, uh, as frustrating as he's ever been. Uh, RJ carried us in the second half. Seth made some big time plays. We rode Armando and, uh, and found a way to win. Definitely wasn't pretty. And um, you know, perhaps they found an identity there uh, down the stretch, picking up full court and getting into the the perimeter players for Wake a little bit more, which I thought was really spearheaded by Seth and his energy. But um, by no means was it pretty. They out rebounded us. Uh, a lot of timely shot making by RJ probably is what ultimately saved the game for us.
0: Yeah, RJ. Um, you know, we talk about how Carolina lives and dies with him. Um, let's talk about Seth Trimble, though. Let's start the show with somebody different. Uh, Seth Trimble played uh, 22 minutes tonight, four for four from the field, three for four. Um, I just think he creates some issues for other teams. I'll call it that way and then let you expound on it. I, I think this guy is going to be really, really good. Um, yeah. He already is, but I, I see a really, really good point guard in North Carolina's future.
2: Yeah, I mean he's got a he's got a mentality that he brings, uh, and, and a toughness, and then the obvious athleticism and explosiveness. But for a freshman to be uh, as uh, as aggressive as he is on the defensive end and have no problem getting up underneath and into the perimeter players. Does he make mistakes? Sure. And that stuff will come. But uh, I really thought his energy was a key turning point in the second half and credit to Hubert for leaving him out there and just letting him, letting him roll with it. And he makes us a little bit smaller, um, but only on paper. I mean, he plays a lot bigger than he is. Um, He's explosive. He's quick. Uh, His offensive game is unpolished, but I think it'll come. Uh, I, I'm with you, and I will tell you this: I reference it a lot when we when we talk on my my group text with my former teammates, and we were all talking about just give me more Trimble, give me more Seth. Mm. Uh, so that's that's a that's a high compliment.
0: Yeah, he's got that dog in him too that this team desperately needs, especially on defensive end. Like I said, full for four, three for four. Um, I can't believe he didn't have an assist and only two rebounds. He certainly played even bigger than his numbers looked. And I thought it—I thought it bothered Wake Forest totally. I mean, Appleby was having his way um, for the most part, and then Seth the was disruptive.
2: That's a great yeah. word. And he was disruptive.
0: He—he's uh, uh, hectic and chaotic and disruptive. I think those are the words. And when he figures out a jump shot, he's gonna be good. And yeah. you know, I don't who—who who knows who's on this team next year, especially the way the portal is and all that. But I think Trimble will be one of the key guys um leading the way and i think it starts and let's let's go here i think it starts with defense for this team i mean i understand how you know some players caleb love three for 15 one for seven and seemed disinterested for a large portion of the game but even he got into the defensive mindset late just sort of speak to how, how is that still coming and going for this team and carolina played great defense it felt like but wake still shot what 60% in the second half or 55% in the second half. So, I mean, Wake Forest was playing really well and Carolina's defense finally showed up when it needed to.
2: It did. And that, I think that that second half field goal percentage is actually a little bit misleading because I'm going to go back and watch it, but I think Wake scored on the first eight possessions of the second half. And so they're shooting a hundred percent in the first eight possessions or or very close to that. It felt that way. Mm -hmm. And then, had to shoot well under 50% to end up where they ended up given the start. Um, you know, we just couldn't get a stop to start the game Now, or start the second half. Now we were scoring and RJ got hot and, and I understand that. But at some point there's got to be that that personal pride and I'm not going to let my man score. And uh, we finally took the fight to them on the defensive end of the floor those last seven, eight minutes. And it was led by Seth. He spearheaded it. Um, just, just picking up the pressure and the the issue that I have with the first 30, 32 minutes and and several games this year is we just allow the other team to be so comfortable. They're so comfortable. They're running their sets. You know, uh, there's no hard fouls by us, you know, knocking guys around and Seth comes in and and he disrupts or he creates chaos and that's good. Make the other team uncomfortable. And I thought we did a better job of that down the stretch. And consequently, their shot quality went down and we built a lead and ultimately were able to win the game. Uh, I, just, I just think we allow teams to get into a rhythm and feel really comfortable and confident. I'm the first one to tell you, the Smith Center is a great gym to shoot in. It's a great gym to shoot in. Something about it. Um, and you, you add to that the, the enthusiasm that other teams are going to have anytime they're playing us in that arena – if you then allow them to get comfortable and start to feel good about themselves, man, it it can lead to a long night. And it seemed like every time you turned around, they were hitting another three and just were in a groove. And it wasn't until those last, you know, seven, eight minutes that we actually made them uncomfortable. And it showed.
0: Yeah, this is one of those games, looking at the stats after the fact, it it felt like the stats I'm looking at aren't from the game we just watched. I, I mean, it felt like Wake hit... A lot more than 10 threes. It just felt like they it did. It did. Wow. I wouldn't have believed that. I would have uh-huh. thought it was like 16 or 17. I know. It's crazy. But t- talking about the comfortable in this, and this is something I say, you know, I call it casual on the defensive end. And one series, and I'd have to go back and break it down. This is instant analysis. So we're not digging into it too deeply. But one play, Justin McCoy is trailing the play. They're driving. I think Appleby maybe's driving. And he gets into the lane. And for some reason, McCoy crashes on that and leaves Monsanto wide open. And he just has a nice, smooth step-in three and hits it. That's what you're talking about, how it's just they're comfortable. And it feels like at times, and granted, we're talking about a North Carolina win and an important win, but it feels like at times it's so hard for Carolina to score, but it's so easy for the other team to score. And that's why the defense is so important.
2: Well, what you said is, you know, casual and, and allowing the other team to be comfortable. Coach Williams used to say a lot, especially when we watch film, if he thought uh, if he thought someone was trying to be cool, he would put it on tape and say, I hate cool. <laughs> I hate cool. And it's because he had he had no time or tolerance for uh, something that was uh, appeared to be lazy or casual or. Trying to be flashy instead of having substance, right? He hated that, um, and so that always stuck with me. I hate cool, and you know, being casual and lackadaisical and and nonchalant has no place uh, at this level. And I think we go through these periods, strangely, uh, where we just are kind of casual and cool. I'm not Armando, um, I'm not Leaky, I don't think, but sometimes the other guys, they just have these these periods, these moments where you just scratch your head. I just can't. And it's not just defensively. We're talking about defense, but there, you can be very casual and try to be cool on the offensive end too. And it lead, you know what it leads to? It leads to one for seven in the first half and four turnovers. And I don't mean to single out Caleb, but I can't figure him out. I can't figure him out. Uh, in the second half, he had a great steal and a bucket and hit a big three. And, and as you said, he turned up the defense, but Man, like, like if we watch that first half, you and I, and then we turn on a game from his freshman year and watch the first half, I don't know that you could tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is hard to understand, especially with who he was in March and early April last year. So here's what I'm going to say. I was thinking about this during the game. When I was around, Wayne Ellington went through a horrible slump and he snapped out of it against Miami and made six or seven threes. Marcus Page went through a couple horrible slumps. Joel Berry had a horrible slump his freshman year. I'm just going to hold out for Caleb to snap out of this because he's too talented, and we've seen it historically. So as I was sitting there watching the game wondering, what am I going to say about how Caleb's playing? That's what came to mind is I just I, – he's too talented that I hope that he can snap out of this,
0: and I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah, that, that's what's the maddening part. I mean – They talk about, and I thought Childress and Corey Alexander. I mean, could they get two guys that hate Carolina worse calling the game? But they were saying – And a Wake guy. Yeah, and Childress and Wake. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. You know, ACC Network, there's people out that will call games for you. Um, But you've got Caleb Love play like he did in March in that stretch and like he's done in stretches. What I don't understand – is I don't understand how it doesn't translate to 24-7 for him yet. It's got to be him, right? It's got to just be between the ears somehow. I don't know. I think he can be fantastic. Yeah. But he, I, he will go down as the most maddening player for Carolina because the ceiling is so high. But his floor, I mean, he is the lowest floor, highest ceiling guy I've ever seen play for Carolina.
2: I know. And I'm trying to think about, you know, during coach Williams tenure, just like off the cuff guys that whose ceiling was so high and, and you only saw it in, in glimpse of PJ Harrison is one uh, JP Tokato is one, right. You'd see this insane athleticism, but he never really put it all together. Um, you know, even guys that early on in their career, uh, like a John Henson, right. When John's early uh, he was, he was skinny. He, he didn't have the strength. he, he he didn't shoot it great, but man, what he became by his junior year. And there are plenty of instances of that. And, and so to your point, it's, it's so puzzling that as a second semester junior that we're still scratching our head at, at some of the things he does. And, and the thing that's even more puzzling is by all accounts from the program and, and those that I know, he's a wonderful kid and he works his tail off. So it's not like he's like a lazy practice guy or doesn't want to work or anything like that. He does all the right things and he wants to be good and he works and he stays after and he shoots. And, but I don't, I don't know to your point, but between the years, I don't know if it's nerves or, uh or what but uh like i said i'm gonna hold out hope that he's gonna snap out of it he's too talented not to and i wouldn't say it if he wasn't known to be a worker but that is his reputation in the program is that he works if he didn't work you say uh you know and maybe that's why hubert sticks with him and has so much faith in him
0: because he sees how he works yeah i I mean yeah the ceiling is so so high and that yeah i mean i think he would agree with it you know i don't i don't a lot of people in the chat and people on message boards and all want to try to get into the mind. I just don't understand it. Um, but yeah, we know it's in there. It's kind of like mm-hmm. if we stop yelling at you, it's because we don't think you can give anymore. That's one right. of the coach I think who, who said that one of the NFL coaches. Once I stop yelling at you, it's cause I think I'm you're done. And I just think Caleb love, uh, he's going to be good. He's going to be needed for this team. Um, his backcourt mate, RJ Davis, he, he's struggled and there've been some issues there, but not tonight. Do we, uh, what'd you see from him that really got him going? Um, cause he certainly shot it with some confidence five for eight from three. I'm um, an efficient 27. That's what I like to see. I don't like to see, you know, five for 20 and 27, but nine mm-hmm. for 14 and 27 that that's, that's good RJ right there.
2: It was, and he was very aggressive in in hunting his own to start the second half. Right, even though he's the point guard and getting us into our sets, he he clearly felt like uh, he needed to try to get the ball in the basket himself. And I don't know if that's because his backcourt mate was struggling, or or the guys on you know Wake's backcourt had it going both the both their guys. But um, you know, a very clear effort to be more aggressive in seeking his own shot and. Um, and then obviously, you know, was ripping him. I, I think that he does such a tremendous job of getting a good base under him and being on balance. Every one of those threes, even the one in transition where he was on the move left to right and and got the pass from Mondo, got square, straight up and down. I mean, his his shooting fundamentals are actually really, really good. And uh, and then he, at times, plays bigger than he is, right? He's, he's, he's a great rebounder for his size. He, and he got to the rim and had a really nice – lay up on the pick and roll. Um, but yeah, just an aggression to, to find his own. Cause you know, perhaps cause Caleb was struggling, but we needed all of them. That was yeah. for sure. Because like I said, the first, when he was doing his thing in that start of the second half, that was when wake scored six to eight possessions in a row. So we needed every one of them.
1: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Yeah, and and your point there about his shooting form and all—he always seems like he is. He doesn't. He may take a bad shot, but he doesn't take a bad form shot. You know, it, no. it's it still looks good. It might be a bad time or bad spot, but it still looks good. And he he was hot tonight, and, and Leaky. I thought Leaky might go for 20, 25 tonight. Yeah, no, I was like, go get
2: go get thirty, Leaky. We might need them all.
0: <laughs> but the point that I made on Twitter during that run is Leaky's hot. Baycott's playing decently well there. And Absolutely. then we talked about Caleb. But then the offense just comes to a crashing halt. Um, speak yeah. to Leakey's game there, though. I, I mean, not as many rebounds as he gets, not as many assists as he gets sometimes. But career-high 18 points and 3-5-3. Three, and three. Carolina doesn't need that from him every night. But they need him to be efficient like that every night.
2: They do, yeah. And, and everybody feels good when you see a couple go in. But uh, what I liked more – was his slashing to the basket and getting to the rim you know i had that that chance for back-to-back three-point plays uh obviously got the steal and the dunk late but he he goes through periods where he's not aggressive and doesn't slash um and i thought once he made those threes he started to feel good and uh and then attacked a rim which was great um the one thing we didn't talk about is we did do a better job getting in transition Uh, in this game, we, we forced a lot more turnovers and we got out and ran. And as we've talked about all year, you mentioned it earlier, we go through these periods where it's just like death trying to score. And so any game that we get, you know, it it feels weird to say historically as a Carolina, you know, person, uh, but any game we can get into double digits in transition points is better than what we've shown, right. uh, Historically, uh, at least this season. Uh, and we got on transition and ran a little bit more and pushed the pace. And, you know, we're always going to feel more comfortable in the games in the 80s and 90s than if it's in the 50s and 60s. And, and it got there because I, we caused we caused turnovers and we pushed the pace.
0: Which yeah. Way? Like I said, the stats are weird because it says uh, Carolina caused 15 turnovers for Wake and had 32 points off those turnovers. So that means they, they literally scored on every turnover they got. That cannot be right. And they scored two threes in it. They got two birdies in there. (laughs) Let's talk – well, somebody mentioned Pete Nance. Pete Nance tweaked his back. I think he tweaked it against Pitt, and he was out, and he looked like he did it again. So that's why he was out. And as far as Justin McCoy, I thought he gave some good minutes in the first half um, there. He he can be decent, um, but 17 minutes is a lot. But I want to close it before I open the floor for you to talk about Baycott. And one thing that Alexander and Childress did talk about is he needed to quit backing down. He needed to turn and face and then use his quickness. One thing I like to see is when guys just play Baycott straight up rather than that flop and trying to draw charges mm-hmm. on him. Because when they do that, Baycott can eat big time. What'd you see from the big guy?
2: Yeah, I thought he was great. I mean, it's like we we just accept that we're going to get 22 and 12 out of him. Um, I don't know what his final stat line was just because it's not right in front of me. But what I really liked was the versatility and some of the ways that he scored, right? You had at least three, maybe four left-handed finishes tonight. You had a jump hook. You had a bucket in transition. He shot the free throw well. Uh, look, first-team All-ACC guy should probably be the ACC player of the year, depending on how the rest of the year goes he's playing like an all-american i mean just let's just be very direct he's playing like an all-american and we've talked about this several times i just think he plays harder than anybody else um uh, on the other team or on our team and uh, his effort level is exemplary and uh we can ride him but he, he can't do it by himself we need our perimeter players to consistently play better and shoot a higher percentage, um, meaning Caleb and RJ, because you don't know what you're going to get from person four through seven. The constants have to be those three. And uh, and it wasn't Caleb's night. It was RJ's night. Mondo was great. Diki stepped up. Seth was great. Uh, For us to do the things that we all hoped we could do or repeat from last year, our big three have to figure out a way to be, all all as consistent as Armando. Armando's going to be there. RJ and Caleb need to, to come to that
0: level. I think if you can get consistent effort and buy-in every game from those guys, then you can have positive stuff. Somebody in the chat mentioned RJ, when he's not hitting shots, he's not a liability. That needs to be the case for both of those guys, for Caleb and RJ every night. Because they're not going to go in every night. And I think uh, Baycott, you're right. Baycott busts his tail. He finished twenty-one nine tonight, but he had five assists, um, which tells which tells me he's seeing the floor instead of being a black hole down there. Like sometimes, anything you got left from Carolina Wake Forest, they got Notre Dame at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Um, so shout out to Inside Carolina Live. I'll show our show will be at nine a.m. On Saturday morning, but anything left from this one, do we hadn't hit? We got to defend. We got to defend. I mean, because our
2: scoring is not going to be consistent enough to just straight out outscore people. We we have got to figure out how to defend for longer stretches. I'm not I'm not going to say defend for 40 minutes. We're not there yet. You know, the way we defended the last 78 minutes tonight is how we need to carry that over into the Notre Dame game in the first half. Make them uncomfortable somehow some way we've got to guard better because we if we force more difficult shots we've got a guy who's going to clean the glass right we're not going to give up a lot of second chance points you wouldn't think given how good of a rebounder armando is but we've got to make them take tougher shots and get uncomfortable uh that's my thing we got to guard simple as that
0: yep definitely carolina wins 88-79 uh, in a game, like I said, I felt like they had to have, especially since they dropped the Pittsburgh game. I mean, even though Pittsburghs turned out to be pretty good, and did you happen to see the Wake Forest, or, the, excuse me, the NC State Duke score, Dewey? How could I miss it? I
2: mean, it, it, it's hard not to hope they would both lose, but um, you know, all those highly recruited kids that just went into Raleigh and got stomped. Eighteen nothing start.
0: It was yeah, like twenty to two is when I turned it on. I was like, is that a is that a glitch? Yeah. <laughs> PNC was rolling. Yeah. I mean, the ACC is not getting a lot of hype nationally, but I think just about anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And that's why Carolina, to your point, has got to defend each and every night. It's been the postgame inside Carolina. Shout out to the 250 or so folks in here. That's Dewey Burrick. I'm Tommy Ashley. It's been Inside Carolina and Johnny T-Shirt. Thanks, Dewey. Thanks to you.